Sage is fighting the fight. He has fought cities. He has fought counties. Politicians. Naysayers. Hell, he's even fought mayors. Thank you for listening to Sage and the Houseless Movement, a weekly show dedicated to the news and views of the homeless locally and worldwide. And all other things considered homeless? Yes. Broadcasting live from your Alexa device, the Radio Free Network app, iOS, WMBU.org, Many Voices United, and the RadioFreeNetwork.com. And now, from some wooded area in Akron, Ohio, here is Sage of the Rage Lewis. Every time I uh, get angry, I'm like, I gotta do a podcast. <laughs> you become like my therapy. You're like my anger therapy, which is good, I guess, right? I mean, it's I'm not shooting fentanyl. I'm not uh, drinking. That's what I would be doing. Oh, if I were me, I'd be drinking. Mmm, delicious. That stuff is good. Although now I'm at a, I haven't drank since uh, July of 2003. And, uh, you know, all I can think about is the hangovers. I see somebody like on TV drinking and I'm like, oh, that guy's going to hurt tomorrow. <laughs> That's it. That's all I can see is the hangover. But, uh, I don't know why I get so angry. I'm like Malala. My kids reading the book Malala. You know that girl, woman, Malala on Afghanistan. Check check this out. Okay. Here's a guest essay from the New York Times. Malala, I fear for my Afghan sisters. Okay. Uh, it says, uh, Malala Yousafzai, is that Yusuf, Yusufzai? I don't know how to say her last name. Survived Taliban assassination attempt and is an activist for girls' education, the youngest ever Nobel Peace Prize laureate. Dang, I didn't know she had that. In the last two decades, millions of Afghan women and girls received an education, now the future they were promised is dangerously close to slipping away. The Taliban, who until losing power 20 years ago, barred nearly all girls and women from attending school and doled out harsh punishment to those who defied them, are back in control like many women, I fear for my Afghan sisters. As well, you should. Uh, this is the life of an activist. You know? One step forward, two steps back. Like, all right, you can't get any more famous than Malala, can you? I don't know. Was she on Oprah? I'm sure she's been on Oprah probably multiple times. If you don't know Malala, you haven't been, like, paying attention. Right? I mean, she's this young woman. I think she lives in England now. I think. I think I saw her doing like tours of. What is that fancy school over there? I don't know where she. I don't. I don't know what's going on in Malala's life right now. I don't keep up that close. Um. But you're like, I have the global platform. I have peaked. Millions and millions of people's interests 
on the topic of education for girls in places like Pakistan and Afghanistan. And things were going good as far as women's rights were concerned in Afghan. Not, I mean, sure, not good is a subjective term. Better when, you know, before this week, like I think I saw 39% of girls are getting education in Afghanistan, which is better than zero, which would what it was before. And instantly gone, 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 daddy, gone. And I just can't imagine how she must feel. How must a person like Malala feel this week? Like all that progress, all that forward movement, and it is gone. And don't let the Taliban fool you that they're going to be some new, kinder, gentler Taliban. They're the Taliban. <laughs> That's what they do is oppress women. Who knows who else? I can't imagine what they do to gay people. I don't know. Can't be good. I'll tell you that right now. Cannot be good. So, uh, the futility of it all. And then you got to go down to a little guy like me. I'm in a little town, 190,000 people. It's not the littlest of towns, but it's certainly not L.A. And I have to fight tooth and nail to allow the government for me to keep up a tent to shelter American citizens. A tent. They're going to sue me. They're going to, they are going, I, you white. Well, the, 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 the fire inspectors are back. As soon as I shut down the other uh, tent village, fire, fire inspectors gone. Now I've made another stand. The fire inspectors are back. The home house inspectors are back. The health department is pretty much on my side uh, because they are, I don't understand, they're with the county, and I, I don't know. I don't know who controls, who has a thumb on the, the health department, but the health department generally uh, comes and helps me. The house inspector and the fire inspector just come to shut me down. And um, that's because they're run by Dan Horgan's office. He oversees all that shit. And so they're back. They're all back. Do you know that they can condemn a house for not having screens, for uh, not having a uh, 
downspout that curves out into the lawn doesn't, you know, go straight down. They can, they can, it is a criminal act, literally criminal. You can go to jail for having a messy house. The housing inspectors told me that. Housing inspector was also proud to tell me that he thought he could have closed down my tent camp in 30 days uh, because people aren't allowed to stay in the same dwelling for more than 30 days. Otherwise, it's a house and it has to meet housing codes or whatever. He looked so proud, like he's, but they, you know, they didn't ask me. All this energy, all this fight, and you just, it's like you're banging your head against a brick wall, man. It's like banging your head against a brick wall. My wife is like, why do you even bother? We're doomed. Humans are pieces of shit. We deserve everything we get. <laughs> the sooner humanity goes extinct, the better. You watch the end game, uh, the, you know, the Avenger thing with... Uh, the guy, main character, the main evil character. What's his name? Main evil character in Endgame. Thanos. This guy. Thanos. There he is. There's my man. Thanos. Thanos. was going to he was going to get all the infinity stones and eliminate 50% of the entire universe population to save the universe basically not a bad idea i don't know why the avengers were so upset i mean i i don't look yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the ecological ramifications of eliminating half of the population. But what about, what about, okay, what about this? Thanos, got a question for you. Let's say there's a girl and a boy animal, the last two left in the universe. Do you take one of them away? Or did you have like a little... Uh, fail safe if there's less than 500 leave them i mean we didn't really nobody asked thanos never no thanos never did a press release on how he was going to handle this how it was going to be good for the universe but i don't know like you know how much finesse can he have on those infinity stones can he could we you know could we have had a dialogue like okay thanos 
we're kind of uh, at your mercy. So before you do this, could you, uh, can we talk a little bit about the plan? Have you thought it through? You've been so busy fighting everybody. Have you thought about all the details? Have you thought about how maybe some animals, uh, you need all of them because if you half them and you half another species of animals that is way more populated, the other smaller species is going to get, you know, rolled. I just don't know. Like, I don't, it didn't sound like Thanos had a big theory, big plan like that. Like, I think he was just like, no, 50-50. I don't know. Is Thanos an ecologist, a universe ecologist? I don't know what he does in his spare time. I need to know more details. But I will say this. I'm quite sure a lot of people were behind Thanos. Like, yeah, good riddance. 50% of humans, which is what it's all about. Like, basically, it's a testament on humanity. All these movies are, you know, we don't know what else is out there in the universe, so we can't offer a political statement on life in the rest of the universe. But we are offering a political statement. But... The Avengers are like, hell no. You don't have a right to do that, Thanos. And maybe they're right. I, who, are, who is Thanos to be able to, you know, decide who goes and who stays? I'm sure he had a naughty list. <laughs> that guy's definitely going. I'm sure he had it. I'm sure his daughter's. I think although he's probably sick of his daughters by now, I think they were probably on the nice list. They get to stay. Thanos obviously got to stay. Why did Thanos get to stay? He did his work. But he did. He didn't disappear. Should have destroyed all the Infinity Stones. Oh, but wait, that wasn't how they went back. They had a time machine, right, from the Ant-Man or something? Eh, it was a a doomed plan from the beginning. But at least Thanos tried. You know? At least he tried. And can you blame him? Look at, look at Malala. She's been... Trying every way possible to be like, hey, I just want women and girls to get educated. It's not a lot. I'm not asking for a lot. Just a little bit of education for women. And they're like, hell no. Don't be stupid. That shit is dumb. So... Maybe Thanos is right. Just like, fuck it. I can't convince these people that they got to like slow down reproduction and, you know, think about the environment. I got to just fucking take shit into my own hands, man. <laughs> uh.
It's exhausting. I feel exhausted. It's a little early. I don't like doing my show before 8 or after 2. It's a very narrow window. I'm not a morning person. I'm not a night person. I'm not. I'm hardly a person anymore. I don't know. It's kind of rainy outside. When it's rainy, you might as well. I just forget it. I'm done. I'm done. (laughs) I, uh... Yeah. I... I don't think I'm depressed. I mean, I'm on my citalopram, which is Celexis. 40 milligrams. I feel pretty happy. Like, usually I'm really happy. I might be a little depressed today. Mostly because, you know, I get into these like, but I don't think I suffer from depression. Okay, what is depression? Hold on. What are the signs of depression? Okay, let's see here. Four major causes. No. Symptoms. Depression symptoms to look out for. Okay, here we go. Here's a lady. She's looking like she just watched the news about Afghanistan. Look at that chick. Damn. Could it be depression? Being unhappy isn't the same as being depressed, right? Okay, so that's, you see, now it's now confused. Depression is a term often used loosely to describe how we feel after a bad week at work or when we go through a breakup. But major depressive order, a type of depression, is much more complicated. There are specific symptoms that determine whether it's depression or sadness we all sometimes experience in life. Determining, okay, let's see. Let's see if I'm depressed. It's already looking not good. Determining a persistent, unshakable, dark feelings as a result of depression can be the first step towards healing and recovery. Read through these warning signs to see if it's time for you to see a mental health professional. One, hopeless outlook. Well, yeah. Depression is a cruel disease that can affect anyone. It's very easy once the symptoms begin for a person to slide down the black hole of depression where the symptoms spiral and feed off each other, increasing in severity, says Michelle London, Ph. P-S-Y-D, Wise Memorial. Hopeless outlook. How the hell can you not feel like things are hopeless when you look at what's going on in Afghanistan this week? Aren't we being a little uh, Pollyanna if we're like, just look on the bright side. Maybe the Taliban will be nice this time. <laughs> yeah. Major depression is a mood disorder that affects the way you feel about life in general. Having a hopeless or helpless outlook on your life is the most common symptom of depression. I ask you, what rational human being can possibly have not have a hopeless or helpless outlook on on your life. I I bet Malala's over at her therapist right now trying to make sense of this shit. Other feelings may be worthlessness, self-hate, inappropriate guilt. I have all those. Common inappropriate is subjective. What does that even mean, inappropriate? Common recurring thoughts of depression may be vocalized. It's all my fault. What's the point? Okay. No, I'm too stupid for that. 
I will say I don't I don't I don't sit around thinking of blaming people. I see this is where maybe I'm not depressed or something. <laughs> I don't know. Ah, see, two, lost interest. No, no. Start feeling more adverse to going to work, starting to call in sick. Thought I was just going through a nest, nesting phase after being married. Oh, says Megan Thomas. Ooh, Megan, yeah, I bet Megan isn't married anymore. Okay, uh, no, see, I don't have that. Increased fatigue or sleep problems? Nah. Anxiety. Yeah, well, you can't shake it. That's why I'm on antidepressants. Like, yeah. Irritability in men. Oh, I thought I was irritable about men. (laughs) Depression can affect sex. A different research shows that men with depression may have symptoms such as irritability, escape just to risky behavior, substance abuse, or misplaced anger. Misplaced anger. What does that mean? What do you want me to do? You want me to go get a gun like Rambo and go fight the Taliban? My hatred for Dan Horgan, the worst mayor in the history of Akron. Is that misplaced? I don't know. Men are less likely than women to recognize depression or seek treatment for it. Changes in appetite or weight while I'm losing weight. Just, But I could gain it right back. Trust me, I'm on a... I'm on a uncontrollable emotions now looking at death when i was 28 i started to think about the idea of going back to school to teach the monday after spring break it was a friday and i just couldn't even imagine the possibility of getting out of bed and walking into school i started crying and couldn't stop says mindy k smith blogger depression is sometimes connected with suicide in 2013 more than 42,000 people died from suicide in the united states people who die from suicide usually show symptoms first Often people will talk about it or make a first attempt before succeeding in ending their life. If you think someone's at immediate risk for self-harming or hurting another person, call 911, stay with the person, remove any guns or knives or medication, listen, don't judge, argue, threaten, or yell. Getting help. Depressed mind often loses perspective and sometimes advocates permanent solutions to intense emotional pain. So most important of all, if your loved one is expressing an, any intention to harm themselves, an assessment should be done. No, nah, I don't got that. I see. I don't know. I got some of these things. I, I'm not gonna quit. I mean, that's stupid. Why would I quit? I don't know what else to do. I mean, yeah. Well, see, isn't that a mental health issue? If I would knew what was good, wouldn't I? Shouldn't I just sit at home and make money, read? May play watch Netflix. But no. I mean, come on now. Who is more screwed up? The guy, the person that realizes things are hopeless and just lives their life trying to find modicum of happiness and pleasure? Or the person who sits around banging their head against a bureaucratic wall all day, willing to go to jail for people's, for other people and the, the, the rights of humans. <laughs> I mean, really, I'm not joking. And I'm not depressed about it, and I'm not giving up. I'm not saying I'm giving up. I'm just saying, I mean, you got to think about it, don't you? Don't you have to think about it? Like... 
You look at Malala. Let's see. What did Gandhi accomplish? I like to look at this shit, too. His nonviolent resistance helped end British rule in India. Okay, that's good. And has influenced modern civil disobedience movement, widely referred as Mahatma, meaning great solar saint, helped uh, India reach independence through a philosophy of nonviolence. Yeah. Okay. He fought against racial discrimination in South Africa. His Satyagra campaign. Okay. Won the first battle. Civil disobedience. He successfully led a nonviolent tax revolt. Uh, did Gandhi think he failed or succeeded? There we go. Did Gandhi fail? As a young man growing up in England, I was enormously influenced by Gandhi and the whole idea of Satyagraha and Ayamisa. I'm sorry, I can't pronounce that shit. Especially as interpreted, for instance, by the writers such as Richard B. Gregg. After, even after 30 years, I still recapture the sense of excitement, the sense of a great new idea that had come into the world, an idea of enormous importance for mankind. Coming to adolescence in the aftermath of the First World War, I was conscious of the breakup of an old order and the end of an old era. The whole world of national states and empires, which seemed so secure and permanent in 1914, was revealed as incapable of providing a decent order and habitations for the human race. War seemed like an absolutely intolerable betrayal of the spirit of man and the state which demanded it. I like this writer. A monster only to be appeased by endless human sacrifice. On the other hand, there seemed to be no alternative in the face of the very real conflicts of the world but a passive withdrawal equally unacceptable to the spirit concerned with justice and the rights of order of society. Maybe the sentences are too long. I don't know. In this dilemma, the message of Gandhi came like a great light indicating that it was possible to reconcile peace and justice, to reject war, and at the same time participate in a great historical process for human betterment. The idea of nonviolent struggle, which refused to break the community of mankind, refused to exclude even the enemy from his community, which nested on a view of human nature. God damn it, I can't do it. I'm bored. For what has happened, India has become a nation like any other, even tr even, and even truth compels me to say with pain, less mature in its foreign relations, less peaceful, less realistic than many others. In its internal policies, there is one outstanding achievement, the maintenance of internal freedom and democracy in the face of enormous problems and difficulties. The plain and ugly truth is that in the game of international politics, India is going through a military weak is going to be a militarily weak nation for many decades to come. In the modern world, especially with the United Nations and the increasing recognition of the illegitimacy of war, it's possible, it's quite possible to for a weak nation to survive and prosper. Quite apart from Gandhi and moral standards then, and even judged by low morality of international power politics, India is behaving badly and gets a low mark. A child born with such high hopes has turned out not only to be no better than the average, but actually worse. Failure of Gandhian values in India. For those concerned with the theory of nonviolence, the failure of Gandhism in India to produce a successful development process after the revolutionary change raises severe problems. Thus, the failure of Gandhism is not a failure of Ahisma, but a failure of Satyagraha. Oh my God, this guy. 
I don't know. I don't know. How did Gandhi win? Okay. What do I? I don't know. Look, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I guess if you look at, oh, I have to stretch. Oh, it's too early to do this shit. Eight thirty, exhausted. Um, you know, if you look at uh, health and wealth, those metrics. The global population is uh, has more income and is is living longer lives, so that's a metric. I don't know. Does that make their lives better? I guess. I don't know. Um. I, I don't know. I don't know. You can create change. There's, I think that's an undeniable fact, right? Like you, things change, right? There's not a lot of people running around the streets in uh, pillowcases right now, lynching black people. They do that on the down low more now with cops. They get dressed up as cops. <laughs> so that's, that's change. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's change. We don't have uh chattel slavery anymore. We just have the 13th amendment where we enslave people uh, in our prisons so that's change see things change <laughs> I, uh, I don't know I guess what helps me is, and if it was sunny, I swear I wouldn't be as mopey. I swear to God I wouldn't, which is so stupid. Um, I believe in the yin and the yang, I think. I don't think it's about what is the yin and the yang? What is the yin and the yang? According to Wikipedia. All right. Ancient Chinese philosophy, yin and yang. Bright, black, positive, and negative is a concept of dualism describing how obviously opposite and contrary forces may actually be complementary, interconnected, and independent in the natural world, and how they may give rise to each other as, the inter, as they interrelate to one another. In Chinese cosmology, the universe creates itself out of a primary, cosmo, a primary chaos of material energy organized into the circles of yin and yang and formed into objects and lives. Yin is the receptive and yang is the active principle. Hmm. Yin is the receptive, and yang is the active principle. 
Seen in all forms of change and difference, such as the annual cycle, winter and summer, the landscape, north-facing shade and south-facing brightness, sexual coupling, male and female, the formation of both men and uh, women as characters in sociopolitical history, disorder and order. There are various dynamics in Chinese cosmology, the cosmology pertaining to yin and yang, material energy, which this universe has created itself out of, is referred to as qi. Okay, I just... Duality. Uh, let's see what else we can learn about the yin and the yang. What is the true meaning of yin and yang? It's a TED talk. Um, the ubiquitous yin-yang symbols holds its root in the Taoist, Taoism, a Chinese, in Taoism, a Chinese religion and philosophy, the yin, the dark swirl, is associated with shadows, femininity, and the trough of a wave, the yang, the light swirl, <laughs> represents brightness, passion, and growth, and I'm sure masculinity. Explains how, why we all contain the spirit of yin and yang and how can we achieve balance in both of our lives. Yeah. Uh, yeah, anyways. So, I guess something that helps me make sense of this all is that it's not about the end. It's not, this is a... Um, This is a school. Planet Earth is a school. And the question before you is, what do you do when faced with insurmountable, immovable objects in front of you? What do you do? What do you do when you're Malala? She could be rich, Malala. She's got a book out. She go on tour. I'm sure she's making some money. I hope so. Got to pay for that school. What is that school she goes to? I'm telling you, that fancy one over in England. You know the one. You're yelling it at me right now. So, uh, you know. What do you do if you're Malala? You're like, fuck it. I'm going to go be rich. It's certainly a viable, understandable response. Right? Don't you think? If Malala and also that Greta young woman who is the... Uh, uh, Um, you know, the, the nature lady helps the environment, you know, she was like protesting at the age of 12, but she feels depressed. Like she goes and speaks to some of the biggest groups on planet earth, the United nations, everybody. And they're like, man, I don't know. You got money to use, worry about. Uh, so you can't 
people that quit, you can't judge them for that, right? I mean, if anything, you're like, well, that's probably what I would do. I would probably quit. Seems hopeless to me. Seems hopeless to me. I think that's why most people don't start. They just look around and they're like, look at this fucking bullshit. This is fucked up. What can I do? I don't, people don't even vote. They're so beat down. <laughs> like, this is so sucky. There's no good choice. I can't be voting all the time. These politicians are all the same. All I know is my life gets worse. Nothing I can do about it. Just keep my head down. Do some meth every once in a while. Drink some tall boys and chill the fuck out. Smoke some pot. I mean, isn't that really the wise choice? Just, what was that he said? Tune in, turn on, drop out. What is that called? Tune in, turn on, drop out. Is that what he said? Turn on, tune in, drop out. There, you see that. Tune on, turn on, tune in, drop out is a countercultural arrow phrase popularized by Timothy Leary in 1966. In 67, Leary spoke at the Human Bee Inn, a gathering of 30,000 hippies in Golden Gate Park in San Francisco, and phrased the famous words, turn on, tune in, drop out. It was also the title of his spoken word album recorded in 1966. On this lengthy album, Leary can be heard speaking in a monotone, soft voice on his views of the world and humanity, describing nature, Indian symbols, and the meaning of inner life, the LSD experience, peace, and many other is issues. Uh, yeah, just drop out, man. Drop out. Like every re great religion, we seek to find the divinity within and to express this revelation in a life of glorification and the worship of God. These ancient goals we define in the metaphor of the present, turn on, tune in, drop out. Turn on mean, meant go with, within to activate your neural and genetic equipment. Turn on. Become sensitive to the many and various levels of consciousness and specific triggers engaging in them. Drugs were one way to accomplish this. Tune in meant interact harmoniously with the world around you. Externalize, materialize, express your new internal perspectives. Drop out. Suggested an active, selective, graceful process of attachment from involuntary and unconscious commitments. Dropout meant self-reliance, a discovery of one singularity, a commitment to mobility, choice, and change. Unhappily, my explanations of this uh, sequence of personal development are often misinterpreted of get stoned and abandon all constructive activity. He's <laughs> uh, basically just become spiritual, man. I think... I'm no expert in Timothy Leary, but uh, the idea of finding internal peace is not new, not radical. Buddhism teaches, you know, that the cause of suffering is desire for something you don't have. So just accept what you got. 
Stop trying to change the world, for God's sake. Sit down and relax. (laughs) Stop taking shit so seriously. And I would say that's a form of leveling up, right? Maybe that is the enlightened path. Maybe that is the way to go to stop wanting things. What would, I mean, what would the Dalai Lama say to Malala or Greta? We'd be like, hey, man, here, you want to hear what the, look, look, watch, let me go over here. The Dalai Lama on Twitter. Listen to this shit. Okay, Okay, August 16th. Peace in a world depends on peace within. If we have that, we'll approach problems in a spirit of dialogue, compassion, and respect for the rights of others. With the, the Taliban? Always a better solution than resorting to the use of weapons and force. External disarmament depends on inner disarmament. We should show one another love and help each other. Help each another. It is a mistake to pursue happiness and to seek to avoid suffering by deceiving and humiliating other people. We must try to achieve happiness and eliminate suffering by being generous and warm-hearted. To the Taliban. I mean, what's the answer there? Can I put to the Taliban? Generous and warm-hearted to the Taliban? Since we desire the happiness comes from having a calm mind and such peace. That's a pretty uh, big assumption. Since we desire happiness that comes with having a calm mind. Do we? Is that what we desire, Mr. Dalai Lama? And such peace of mind arises from having a compassionate attitude. We must make a concerted effort to develop compassion. We must use all the events of our daily life to transform our thoughts and behaviors. Let's do one more. Education today needs to include principles such as compassion and nonviolence with the Taliban. What's more, since, since we are missing something, if we are physically fit but full of anger and anxiety against the Taliban, we need to learn about emotional hygiene, tackling destructive emotions, and define peace of mind with the Taliban. I just, you know, I, does the... Is there like an asterisk where he's like excluding the motherfucking Taliban? Fuck them. I mean, I haven't seen that asterisk in any of the Dalai Lama's tweets. Except fuck the Taliban. I don't know. I don't. He's just so peace and love, man. Have compassion and be kind and love one another. And you know what? Maybe he's right. Maybe I'm just some angry, belligerent, male American pissed off at the world 
and I should be following this guy. But look, here's Compton J. I don't know who Compton J is. Somebody tweeted him. White leftists are leftists for votes, tweets, and podcasts. But when it's time to get in these streets and take this freedom, they show they're liberal spineless. It's not the greatest saying. What else has this guy got to say? Uh, I don't know. He's like, get in the streets, fuckers. Which is good, but diametrically opposed to what uh, my man... uh, What my man uh, Dalai Lama was saying, you know, Here, this guy has, I love this guy's tweets. Uh, what else can I show you from this guy? He was on this bent here. Let's see. Hold on. All right. Never mind. Maybe I can't find it. But basically, I can't do it. Doesn't matter. Basically, the gist is fight, motherfuckers. <laughs> Should be real around here. I mean, I don't think I'm going to go to Afghanistan to go fight the Taliban. I, I, I. I mean, should I? Should I go become a mercenary and try to pick off a few Taliban on my way out the door? I mean, I'm not. I haven't practiced that. I don't know. I guess. I bet there are freedom fighters standing up against the Taliban. Maybe I can go uh, join their ranks and the anti-Taliban people. Um... But hey, there's so many problems in the world. Like, you know, the fact that there's Americans living unsheltered in the richest, most Christian country in the world. Uh, That's a problem. (laughs) Don't you think that's a problem? I mean, look. Okay, the environment, good problem. Not good, like... It's like an important problem. Maybe the most important problem. Is it the most important problem today? I don't know. Afghanistan and women. Important problem. Can we squeeze the Taliban? I think they require uh, outside aid to run that country. Why don't we just all... Stop giving the Taliban money, but you know those fuckers over in Russia and China, you know what they're going to do. Send them fucking money. So then what? Do we start squeezing the the Chinese money? Maybe. They own this country, don't you think? Fuck the Chinese government. Not the Chinese people, of course. Um... I sort of think that the Dalai Lama is right. 
and uh, Timothy Leary's right. This is a personal journey, and you should be learning a life of enlightenment, which is to reduce suffering and seek happiness, I guess. I mean, am I putting words in the mouth of the Dalai Lama by saying that? I don't think so. He seems like he's all about happiness. Be happy, happy, be happy. It seems a little shallow to me. I mean, doesn't it? But maybe I don't understand it. I'm not saying I'm some sort of expert. I've read a few books, thought about being a Buddhist, but I left. I keep, every time I go over there, I'm like, they just want me to fucking reduce suffering and peace and love and shit. And there's stuff that needs to be done, man. There's shit that needs to be done. Are you going to peace and love your way out of like uh, the Taliban? Is that what you're going to do? Because you know what they're going to do? They're going to roll you, man. They're going to rick roll you is what they're going to do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Peace and love makes it easier for me to kill you. Right? Tell me that ain't true. If you don't stand up and fight, there are plenty of people that just happily do everything they want to you. They'll rape you. They'll steal your shit. You love oh, peace, love, and compassion, brother. Yeah, give me that shit. Give me your stuff. Okay, peace, love, bro. Peace and love, bro. I have compassion for you, man. I don't need that stuff. I just need to love you. <laughs> yeah, man, whatever. I'm going to fuck you up. <laughs> and yeah, maybe they're going to go to hell. <laughs> or, 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 or they're going to become a bug in the next life. But in this life, they got it. They got the shit. I mean, look at Taliban got a whole fucking country. They're doing great. Taliban's happy. Woo, happy, happy, happy. It's happy days for the Taliban are here again. Mm. <laughs> the greatest day ever for the Taliban. Not so much for uh, Afghani women. Right? And all those fuckers that helped us, helped the Americans, left us stranded, left them stranded there. Not so great for them. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe the Dalai Lama's like, look, that's the way it is. Now it's the Taliban's turn. Someday it'll be women's turns, but not right now because peace and love and compassion, baby. I can't live that life. I can't live that life because what am I going to do? Just pray all day, meditate all day. That seems super selfish. It seems like something that, uh, is escapist and um, egocentric. I'm just worried about my spiritual well-being and maybe sharing that. I get, but it's not because if I'm like, look, man, I'm so peaceful, so happy. You want some of that? Look, sit in my glow, man. Sit in my glow of peace and love and harmony, man. <laughs> ah. 
I suppose that's if you need that, right? Sometimes you need it, you know? Sometimes you're like, dude, I can't even right now. I got to go peace and love and harmony right at the moment. Got to smoke some pot and chill the fuck out, which for sure, y'all need to relax. But I don't know. I don't, I just, look, I can't understand the Dalai Lama's position. Okay. I'm not saying that it isn't the more enlightened position. All I'm saying is it doesn't make sense to me. There's shit that needs to be done one way or another, and we got to fucking get it done. We got to get it done. And I'm here to tell you, if you just sit around peace and love and harmonying all day, your enemies are going to roll you because they're going to be like, well, perfect. I don't fucking need to worry about that guy anymore. He found the Buddha. <laughs> Perfect. Let's forget homelessness. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. I'm glad Sage found the Buddha. Now he's hopefully going to stop yelling about homelessness in my city. Hate those homeless people. Hate those addicts. Hate those poor people. I need rich white people in my city. If Sage Lewis would shut the fuck up, maybe we could get some more rich white people up in here. <laughs> Right? I become no more, no longer a problem. And while I don't believe in uh, physical violence, I refuse to hurt people. I just do. I just do. I don't, I'm not afraid of tension. And I'm not afraid of causing stress. That's what nonviolent direct action is. It's causing tension. Look, people did not like Martin Luther King Jr. when he was alive. What percentage of people liked Martin Luther King Jr. when he was alive? Even though he's revered today, MLK was widely disliked by the American public when he was killed. 75% of Americans disproved to the civil rights leader. This guy sang and marched. That's all he did. And people were pissed. Well, you got to get, get shot in the face for it, you know. As a leader, he spoke out against the Vietnam War and economic disparity. According to an early 1968 Harris poll, the man who has whose half-century of martyrdom we celebrate this week died with a public disapproval rating of nearly 75%, a figure shocking in its own day and still striking even in today's highly polarized political climate. While, racist resent while white racial resentment was still a critical factor at that point, but Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., unfavorable numbers were at least 25 points higher in 68 than in 63. They were hating him more. And his faltering appeal over the final years of his life was also a consequence of appearing to fall behind his times in some respects, even as he was leaping ahead in others. A day after returning home in December 64 from a tour whose most important stop was Oslo, the Nobel Laureate for Peace joined a picket line in Atlanta's Scripto Pen Factory where some 700 workers were striking for better wages for less skilled employees. Though it was a remarkably humble gesture for someone who received such a lofty affirmation, King's actions that day and his call for a nationwide boycott of Scripto products won him few friends in his hometown's white staunchly anti-union business community. They were pissed. 
Just like people are pissed at me for yelling at the mayor. For, ye- for words. Sage, you're not helping. <laughs> Shamas Malik, uh, the, uh, my, my ward, Ward 8 uh, councilman, says my words are too caustic, too angry. My words, my words. They always want to tamp that shit down. Probably the Dalai Lama wants to, too. Uh, I don't know if what I'm doing is helping. All I know is there is a wrong to be righted, and I may never right it. All human beings deserve and need shelter. It's a human right. We don't have enough fur. Do you see my face? No fur. I got no fur. I need shelter. I need it. I need the shelter. A tent is fine. Now, if you think a tent is demeaning, fine. I'm not asking you to pay for it. I'm not asking for the government. I'm not asking for a dime from the government. I think the government's got its hands in too much bullshit anyways. I'm coming back. The, the churches have outsourced all their work to the, 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 the Democrats. And the Democrats do it for votes. They're not doing it because they're some sort of great humanitarian. They're doing it for votes. The Democrats were the ones that were fucking uh, uh, running the slavery trade in America. They got no morals or values. All they want is votes. <laughs> the guy uh, Abraham Lincoln everybody loves a Republican not a Democrat Democrats were fucking assholes and they're fucking assholes today they don't give a shit about anything other than getting votes don't forget that that is like honest to God truth I mean same with Republicans they don't give a shit all they want to do is win that's the whole point of these parties all they want to do is win they don't want to help anything. They just want money and votes, money and votes. And so that's why homelessness is raging in uh, all these democratically run cities. And I'm not saying that the, Demo- the Republicans would do the same too, of course. But what I am saying is that um, they're the people I'm fighting against, the people that pretend to care, you know? Um, and I'm not going to quit. I got, it's not right. There's American citizens living without shelter in the richest, most Christian country in the world. It's not right. I'm not quitting. I love you. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Sage and the Houseless Movement, a weekly show dedicated to the news and views of the homeless locally and worldwide.